Were those half gallons or full gallons? You're probably going to hear me out of your left ear right now. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like that? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I don't know. I'm going to fix it later when I move this thing in like two days. <laughs> that's right. Can you hear me in one ear? I can hear you in both ears just fine. <laughs> yeah. You're talking to this big bad boy, though. Okay. So we're going to eat this thing because I'm going to, we got to drown out those screaming children in the back. <laughs> so, Michael Dean Howell, how's it going? Fantastic. How about you? It's going pretty good. How's the dad's club? Actually had some activity yesterday. I was kind of impressed. Did you? What was the act? What was yeah. going on yesterday? I missed it. One of our, one of our dads. Oh yeah, we could uh, face each other. Yeah, go ahead. Keep talking. Don't one stop talking. Our, so one of our dads, uh, he was uh, basically, you know, became a little vulnerable and had thrown out something in there to engage some conversation. It was really good. It was really good. It was probably the, uh, the frequency of which we get vulnerable dads. Like it's not, it's not very common. So when it happens, I'm yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's kind of a hard thing to not. I think everybody's really feeling a lot of pressure right now, um, especially. I, I I didn't see that post, so I don't, I don't know what you're referencing. But I would imagine. I mean, I've definitely got my hands full, and <laughs> I can imagine that I'm not the only dude that's got the same thing going on. But um, no, he like. So I won't throw in names because it's, you know, rule yeah. number three or four. The first Whatever in the bro code. <laughs> so um, he came on and was um, basically it said something to the effect of uh, it just, I'll put it without actually saying He said that basically it's a, like he, basically he has to put on a front as a dad when he's around his family, which is kind of, hmm. Um, like I feel for it because I'm the same way, but at the same time, it's, I can't not look at that and say, "Yeah, I do that," and it's bullshit because probably a lot of us do. And uh, he said something to the effect of unconditionally, you know, being unconditionally kind or something like that. It's like, well, if we can't do it around our most vulnerable, like the people that we should be most vulnerable, it just hits home. And I read that. And I, was like, oh, shit. Hmm. I sat back and I was like. Yeah, just soaking it. Why? What do you think causes that? Um, well, you open it up with saying that there's a lot of pressure. Like, yeah. A lot of pressure. On, I mean, I'm I'm feeling it. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say that uh, as a dad and a protector, because Erica is in the event space. She can't work a whole lot right now, and. So I'm bringing home, like, other than the stimulus and, and the extra perks that the government's thrown at us, if it weren't for those, I'd bring, be bringing home, like, 99% of the income. And so there's a lot of pressure there. I enjoy that challenge. Yeah. I can't imagine that. Like, I'm, I've been lucky and blessed to be put in a position where I can do that without, like, like I'm not even worried about my ability. Whereas I can imagine that there are people out there who don't know what next week holds. Yeah. And so having that pressure and having that, you know, and like we've done this, this is our second go around. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we did shoot this first yeah. one. It was, yeah. it was a really, we did, it was a, it was a great bonus episode yeah, so that you'll never see. <laughs> we did this and then the camera failed and we sucked out what we were doing, but we had a lot of fun. It was fun. <laughs> Well, it was fun. It was a great podcast. It was one of the better ones we've ever done. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was sad about that. Never see it. So anyway, 
uh, one of the things that we talked about last time was uh, just the pressures of being a dad and, you know, the kind of that feministic, ultra extreme pressure on being a male, being uh, a provider, and how we should or shouldn't do that stuff. You know, I think all of that kind of plays into, well, I have to put on the front, and that front is determined by, you know, like, your reality and your, you know, your environment and things like that. And so, I would imagine, I can't speak for him because he hasn't collaborated on it, and that conversation in the dad's den on Facebook hasn't really gone to that, but I would imagine that there's like, there's something to that. I don't, like I haven't thought deep enough about it to know, but, or to kind of have an opinion about it, but I would imagine that there's something that has to be with that. Yeah, I mean, certainly there's, I, I, I'll have to go read the post now to see, kind of <laughs> go through the, kind of the, you know, the comments part of it, but Suffice to say, it seems like we might have even talked about this the last time. How the Japanese had different faces for yeah. for different for the different people that the Japanese has has they were saying anyways. I say that everybody has three faces: one face for the outside world, one for friends and family, and then their true face. Yeah. And I don't know. I just always kind of thought that that was a deep meaning. Like, oh well, why? What facade are we putting on? And well, what's the reason that we're putting the facade on for to begin with? Yeah. Uh, that, that to me, has always been a really interesting concept to explore. Well, yeah, I mean, I th uh, it's interesting because I don't know if I had this thought, this thought last time we had talked about this because I do remember you saying that last time. It's like when I, so, you know, you've got your OGs. Like, we've known each other since high school. Yeah. Out in high school quite a bit. And then after high school, like, pretty much every moment for, like, a three-year stretch. And... It's one of those things where I am a lot more comfortable to be like a little more crass, a little more vulgar, a little bit more authentic in my uh, transparent approach. Like, oh, that's your fucking idiot. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas somebody who is like I have known as long, I might have a different face or a different front. Sure. Like you were saying, and it's not necessarily a non-authentic version of me. It's just. I know I can call you a cock bag. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things where you kind of have to screen yourself or kind of filter yourself, I think. And, and a lot of time that probably has something to do with the front that you put on and how you talk, you know, you know that this and that. And it's, I think we did talk about this last time. Was when, so when I moved down to Arizona, and I'm going to trail off a little bit down the rabbit hole. I'll come back to the front. Go through it. We wore hats, backwards, jeans, t-shirts, and we were really fucking good at what we did. Like, really good. And yeah. so we'd get business people that are all in, like, suits and ties and stuff, and they're like, well, you know, the uh, articulation of the way that you can not really like that kind of stuff. And Just kind of... Well, I don't really want to work with you because you don't really have a professional persona. And it's like, okay, dude, well, we're, <laughs> we're really good. Take us to the leader. So, and we're not going to change Just being true to yourselves. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's something to be said. Uh, there's probably a connection again. I haven't thought to that. You know, the front and the face and authentic. I always tell my clients, it's like, you know, this is how I'm going to talk. I'm really good at what I do, and if you're not okay with that, then we need to go away. Like, yeah. We need to part ways, and that's okay. Like, I'm not going to filter myself. To that. We're we're definitely in a culture, it seems, of authenticity, where the the leadership, I think, as time moves on that the true leaders that emerge are going to be the ones that are truly authentic. Like everybody loves the rock. Everybody loves Will Smith. Like they love all these guys who are just true to themselves that like 
they aren't just a bunch of dumb fucks. <laughs> they actually like they care about their families. They do a good job and they work hard and they try to achieve and they're motivated and they're successful and articulate and work out and are healthy and these sorts of things. Um, that those kinds of people seem to be the big role models right now. But they also the persona themselves seems to be consistent with one of true authenticity, where we've been in this burn it down culture. Or like politics is the same way, where it's not authentic because we all know that they all lie on both sides and then they make a decision, they back up the decision with other reasons to seek their own, the, the bias-seeking confirmations. It's just, uh, and it's, I think that that's changing because the new, like Gen Z and below, they've grown up with a phone in their hand the whole time and they've seen all the traditional media, they've seen everybody get burned and slandered on both sides for the last decade in their formidable years and they go, well, you're all full of shit. And we all know you're full of shit. You're, every single one of you is full of shit. And yeah. so, like, who's real anymore? And that's what's going to win out. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, it's, uh, I was having this thought yesterday. When I, I, I don't know what I was doing, but I, I, I was sitting there kind of scroll. I was re- Actually, I was reading about coronavirus and what I was doing. Yeah. And I was kind of searching out on social media and going down these rabbit holes and stuff. And then I ran into... Uh, uh, I ran into the, actually, we were just talking about it, this article this guy had written about how Sweden or Norway or whichever one is doing the not, they're doing like the herd immunity or whatever. And everything this guy wrote, I was like, okay, that's a valid point. However, you're kind of grasping at straws. And then... What, you know, what, what, was, what were some of the things well, that... He, he was just like, you know, basically trying to throw out the fact that the percentages showed that the herd immunity stuff was working. And he's like, so basically, he every argument that he had, he went down almost like in a bullet point. Where he's, he's like, well, um, one of the example arguments was per thousand, Sweden has, or maybe it was 10,000, whatever, but for sake of conversation, he said, oh, there's been 126 deaths per 1,000 or per 10,000 in Sweden. Yeah. But there's only been 98 per 1,000 in New York. That's pretty impressive. It's like, yeah, but there's like only 10 million people in Sweden, and there's like yeah, 40 million. There's so not... the percentage there is still not real good, and the infection rates are a whole lot different. And so, and then they, and well, then, New York City too. I mean, they live on top of each other, exactly. where everything. Yeah. And that's one of the things he said. He's like, well, and you know, the proximity and this and that, and then like at the yeah. very just a problem. It seemed like the way that he wrote it. It seemed like it was one of those things where. Argument, 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 and then like just a tiny little snippet about to, to just basically say you can't refute this because I'm going to throw it out. Like, um, like, like if you're, how dare you disagree with me? Type of thing. It was like, it was like this is my argument one two three, and uh, respectively, it's really not like New York is way up worse. But just look at all this other stuff that I talk. You know that kind of sure. Thing. And so I was reading that, and he had some uh, quotes and comments and things like that. And the whole time I'm thinking. You are completely fucking disconnected from what people really think, like the masses, because it was obvious that everybody, I mean, you can't, uh, at least on my Facebook feed, and I know that this is obviously sample-based because I live in the Pacific Northwest, I associate mostly with Republicans and things like that, and, and not that I am a Republican, but that's largely what my Facebook feed is made up of, so I get that, it, that this is a sample, but... It seems like the large majority of people on both sides of the situation want things to be normal, and they are right. to push back if that comes to them. Yeah. And 
you talk, you hear politicians talk, and it's almost like they're just refusing, or they don't even want to acknowledge the fact that the people that you should be working for are fucking pissed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of problems, and I was just talking to my mom today about how there's some industries that are starting to think about whether or not they're going back to work, talking to their employees, and like employees are like, well, no rush because now that we're on unemployment unexpectedly we're making more money so like no rush so what you know what did we just do here like we just let something out of the box that nobody really understood and was out of control and i would agree like to be be honest like i pride myself in the stupid little things about history about all the diseases and like weird little genetic things that have in the way that countries and different groups of people have split and shifted that like i know that 90 percent of native americans died when the spanish came I already know that. So, like, I would have shut the shit down way sooner, but then we go, the, where are the bodies? What types of people are dying? And it's just, I don't know. I'm having a hard time. I know that we slowed it down, but at this point, we have, we have more evidence. Like, we do have more things to consider. And to finance, you know, my kids' future and potentially shave 10 years of life off of them to send us into a depression because of nobody wanting to make a decision or nobody wanting to remove their ego aside enough to possibly consider new information because all that we've done is create rule makers like our our governor went to rule school she's a lawyer they just they went to rule school and now they got a job in making rules they don't know how to lead and it's just frustrating it's just because we shouldn't be in this situation and somebody needs to make a decision and just be like nope okay well these are some dates and some things not when i feel that we have enough ppe and all this other crap like i we know that we we have it we're not overrunning the hospitals now you just created a mess by misappropriation yeah it seems like the, the leadership and i don't think it's just the governor but just right no me neither is they're afraid to say yeah this is what we're going to do and I could be wrong, and I'm going to... God forbid. God forbid somebody be wrong and have to go, you know what? I, we tried something, and then we saw it didn't work, and now we know that we don't need to do that. Yeah. So at least we did something, and now we know how to be better. Because that's where it is. Like Success is made in failure. That's true. And sometimes you get lucky, and you don't make a mistake. <laughs> well, somebody, so two things. One, that one actually, it's the same person that told me this. Uh, they're, they're a whole lot smarter than me. Two things that he said that really stuck with me, both since he said it several years ago, is one, 85% of a car on the road and moving is better than 100% of a car left in the road. <laughs> and two, is that the, the map will appear after you get on the road. Yeah. So if you think about Apple Maps and you start driving or whatever. You take so why, who is this guy? Why did what? So what? Like what does that mean at the end of the day? Yeah. So he was the, the owner of the agency that I worked for in Arizona, and one of the things that so what what I did there is I and even today is I help business owners implement the software that like helps them automate processes. So for you, if you had somebody go on your website and type they type in, hey, I want more information, then they hit that submit button. Everything from that point on and the, and the fulfillment and the follow-up and all that stuff until you get on the phone with them, I can help businesses automate all of that. And then even after you get off the phone, if you were to hit the button and then now they have a bunch of stuff they need to do to get ready for their event or everything you automatically need to do because you don't want to spend time having the conversation over and over and over, right? Yeah. So 
the agents that I worked for, we notorious like people would spend 15, 20, 25, 30 thousand dollars for our services, and they would only have like half of the work done, and then they'd be pissed and be like, "Well, you didn't help me." You know, it's like they had this investment and never got it. Hmm. So one of the things he said is like, "You're waiting for perfection." Yeah. And in the terms of what we were just talking about, it's you're waiting for the perfect opportunity to set the rules and you're waiting for all of the information to come in before you set the rules and define things and, and put things in motion. But that shit doesn't happen. Like, yeah. you have to take what you have and make a decision that you feel is best. And then you have to be willing to say, okay, we're going to either add on to this takeaway or we're going to pivot. 85% on the road is better than 100% left in the garage. Yeah. For perfection, it's never going to happen. There's there we go. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I love it. Is the map will appear after you're on the road. So if you're on Google Maps and you take a left, a wrong left, or a right, and it's not the way you go, what does Apple Maps do? It readjusts your route. Right? Yep. And it's the same thing as like you might have this preconceived notion of how you end being a business owner is the same way. If you, you might have this preconceived notion of like the direction you want to go, but that shit never. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you just gotta go. Yeah, there, there's no roadmap. And you have to be able to pivot because the map will appear after you get the car in motion. That's, yeah, that's it. That's, we we learned how to drive in the 2000s. Like we didn't have this navigation crap. <laughs> we had to unfold a map, but like we're too stupid and young to be like, I'm not gonna read a map. So like we just yeah. that way. Or it's like 2 a.m. or we're coming back from the night drinking or whatever. And we're like, no. oh shit, we just passed it. So you got to turn around and get like, or go around the block. Yeah, or sometimes you just turn around in the middle of somebody's yard at that point in time yeah. too. Yeah, like you have to be willing. To, <laughs> and the leadership, I think, they're missing the point. Is you have to be able to pivot and you have to be able to just accept it. Man. Okay, you know, I'm the leader. You elected me and I'm not perfect. Like I put my pant legs on, pants on one leg at a time and... Like, this is what it is. So we have new information, and now we're going to pivot and go in a different direction. Rather than trying to stick to your guns, which just makes you look dumb. It just, it's so ego serving. Like, yes. why? Why? Because there's just, give an idea why. At least give a reason why. All that I want, and even if there's not, and even if there's not a reason why, tell us the rules. Because <laughs> we went to rule school. We should be good about this. <laughs> but because I said so and wait and see is not a rule you tell a bunch of adults that are getting very impatient that need to feed their kids. There's Right. Yeah. And I understand. Well, and it's got, in all, in all fairness, it's got to be annoying as hell to be the governor and have to explain stuff for stupid people all the time because... Half of all people are stupider than average. He goes, one person can be smart. People are stupid. Yeah. And, and it, it, like, if, if anything, this whole pandemic has proved that for sure. One person does one thing, and then like, look at the fucking toilet paper situation. It's our dis collective display of intelligence at work. Yeah. Congrats to us. <laughs> Man, it's, I hope that, I, I think that we're going to get out of this. But we're looking at some sort of a different system, I think, at the end of this. Because we, we can't have... Well, now at this point, what better of an opportunity, whether you support it or not, but what better of an opportunity does somebody have to throw in a good reason for why we need government-ran health care at this point? Because all the, all the hospitals are completely bankrupt. 
they have been financially destroyed. Um, they, it's obviously, it's obviously the system wasn't working, and the reason why it was set to, the reason why it's now collapsing is because it was backed by money. It was backed up by private business that was now destroyed by the government. And so what do we do now? I, I don't think that they can get that back without, for the government bill, where does that money come from? Well, I mean, there isn't any. If you look at basic economics, what's the response to it? They have to recoup, so prices are going to go. That's how it's going to be. It's, like, I'm, not, I'm one of the first people to say I'm not for necessarily uh, a socialized economy, but I, th- I definitely think that if it's, like, if we're going to go, because... Like the, the insulin is the common one. That, like, why does insulin cost seven hundred dollars when it's like a vial or whatever? Yeah. So, and then you've got big pharma who's putting money in pockets of people who need insulin and things like that. So, it, like, I will. I, I'm not going to jump to the conclusion and say yes, I agree with you. However, I like again to be able to pivot and say that something may or may not be wrong. It's like you have to be able to at least consider the possibility that that might be like just privatize the whole thing from top to bottom. Yeah. So there cannot be gouging. And so, like, that, it's going to come with its own problem, but at the same time, it's like, yeah. Well, I, I guess I'm more saying of from, like, a sense of practicality, where are we going? Oh, yeah. That's, like, what, who's better to throw out? I'm not saying I back up that opinion, because I, I, at this point, it's all screwed up so bad that I see the value in having a direct authority like a single system that goes decision made this is now this is okay this is the ppe trucks go boom to this hospitals now because they have like a central place of communication and directness and and i get why that that's bad too because like it's got it's all none of it's good like it's all a bad decision no matter what decision that has to be made sometimes just there's just nothing but a bad decision well, it's, it's funny because it made me think of a story. Uh, when I was coaching at Cascade, I coached for Yeah, I remember. You remember Tom Lovell? Yeah. Yeah, so he was uh, he was like the head of maintenance or something like that when I was there. And I remember him coming. I was standing in the office waiting for like a bunch of swag or something. He comes, Camp swag. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I remember he was just hot. He was so mad. He's like... He was so mad because he's like, I don't know why I gotta get goddamn quote with companies to install a door and I gotta choose the best one or the one that makes the most sense. He's like, why can't my guy just go down to fucking Home Depot and buy a door and put it on and save us six hours of time? And it's like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> the system's it's broke. It's hard to argue that. It's so hard. Like, the effectiveness to just go. Yeah. Make a decision and stick with it. And, and you know, speaking of dis- be- making decisions and figuring out what's a good idea and what's not, so as soon as they shut school down, myself, Derek Gleason, Sean Evans, we're all in like a Zoom thing, and we go, hmm, you know what would make more sense than like trying to figure all this out? We just press pause on the school gear, and since we're not an agrarian society anymore, it doesn't fucking matter if we start in July or August. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. We just press pause, and hey, guess what? Cold and flu season is in the winter, <laughs> so shut it down in the winter. <laughs> like everybody, get their stupid Christmas off, and uh, like man. Well, and now and now some governors are like Erica. She came to me. She was like reading stuff out loud yesterday. She's like, oh, now California wants to bring school back in July or June, August or something. Like start them yeah. an half early. 
And she's like, there it is. I'm going to screw everybody else because you were too stupid to make the right decision, like make an informed or educated approach rather than a knee jerk reaction. Well, so here's what we know about the education system, though. What? It's been sucking ass for years and years and years while America has been falling further and further behind. We set it up to take the summer off because we were an agrarian society. We're not an agrarian society anymore. The kids don't need to go out of school to go harvest the carrots. Like, that's not, that's not a thing. It doesn't, like, and if there is, then there's like 10 of them and they can figure it out in an hour. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that was why we had the summer off. And we know that human beings learn better in shorter intervals. So why are we sending kids to school all day long when they don't learn the best and then give them three months off where they forget everything? Because it's not a system that's set up for the betterment of human beings. It's set up so that people can have convenience at work. And it's broke. And now it's broke completely. Like we've been falling further and further behind. It doesn't make sense to continue that broken system. Throw the dead baby out with the bathwater this time. Let's figure something else out. Like some sort of a hybridized model that's cheaper, that doesn't have all this bullshit red tape. Like we can send kids to school online in America if we want to and if they can't get a freaking ipad because that's too much that like they can the, we can figure this out i guarantee you a private company could figure this shit out in like three months they could write an app they could give everybody a tablet and they could just be like guess what this much school goes on in the morning with the live feed from this groups of teachers and they learn about all this shit and then in the summer like you could figure out how to integrate like hands-on learning and like still so i don't know like there's just like it's not my specialty all i know is the system fucking sucks and those are some of the things that have sucked about it so why go back to that same shitty system when it's broken already because success is learned in the failure so we failed all of this learn something don't go back to it and justify it as a good idea like i'm that uh, that is something all that that's gonna really piss me off because they're gonna go right back to a shitty system you know, we know it. <laughs> like, and I have, even when I was coaching football and when I, when I had my gym, because we had interns that come in, and I can't count how many times you ask an intern, hey, what do you want? And they're like, oh. like what, what the fuck do you Like, what do they want from their internship? Well, just in general. Like, you just ask them just a big, hey, what do you want? Like, like what to eat? Yeah, just whatever. Like, but see, yeah, like even you're overthinking. It's like, and they're well. I really, I mean, I don't, no, no, no. That's the bullshit. Like, Make a decision. Yeah, like what do you want at it? Like just in general, like what do you want? And they just can't answer it, or they're unequipped. And it's like, okay, what are you gonna do after school? And then you narrow it down. Well, I get okay. You're already wrong. Yeah. You don't even know. And not to say that I was perfect coming out of high school or college, like, I, I didn't know, but what I will say is that high school certainly did not prepare me for that conversation. No. I didn't even have, like, didn't, like, I knew things that I liked, and I knew things that I thought were cool, but I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I, the one thing that bothers me about the education system in general is that it puts this box up around you and it makes you think that the world is a certain way. Yeah, and it really does. Whatever you want, and if what you want to do isn't out there, well, bing, bang, bong, boom, you've got your shit that you can be the only. <laughs> one you know yeah. And there's a lot of money to be made in that. Like, and like you're a great example because you got this event center. That is not a common thing. Hey, well, it's a ter well, I, it's terrifying because there's no blueprint to any of it. But like that's the reality of the that's the reality of the world. 
And here I am at 35 years old, been doing this thing for 14 years, and it's here. And it's because I've just been probably too stupid and kept on going or got lucky or I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. And at this point, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, there's never a blueprint. You just take the keys and get it out the garage. That's what it is. And then here, and then you look at the road immediately ahead. Like you don't know. It's kind of like, it's kind of like what they're trying to do is pre-program an autopilot car to take all of the turns around a road instead of just putting somebody in the driver's seat and be going, you know what? I can turn left and right when I need to. And we don't, why should, maybe we don't need such a rigid system when people can be flexible. And we've proven that we've been flexible the last couple of months, I think, immensely. Well, and the other thing, like you sparked the thought, is with this, that education is, for me personally, having been a teacher at Oregon and having, uh, you know, coached high school and college kids for quite a while at adult life is, I think the education system, the way that it is, it puts way too, too much emphasis on go to school, get a job, or like go to school, graduate, go to college, get a job, make good money. And when in the actuality, and then then that's when you get people who drink and they yeah. beat their significant other, or they molest their children, or somebody else's children, or like all this horrible shit. And it's really, in my non-professional opinion, it's because they're unhappy. Yeah. If you just, how about instead of asking what's going to make me the most money, how about you ask what's going to fulfill me the most? And I don't mean the shit like you quit your job and go to Kathmandu and you praise some. God that like may or may not exist, and then you help children on a like a zero dollar budget because money is money. You have to make money. It's a, yeah. it's a law. It's a rule of like existence. For now. But yeah. It didn't used to be. But it's one of those things where like if you did something that aligns with what you want to do in life, then that would be you'd probably be a whole lot happier and you'd probably be more successful. It shouldn't is. Isn't now such a good time, like a good opportunity for us to be able to like have those conversations about like, okay, we're two months into hiding and we don't know when we're all going to be allowed back out and whatever we get into is different. What do we want to be different on the other side of this? Maybe we should try to have a conversation about what society should be like for fulfillment instead of material action. We shut off? We did. We shut off. How long have we been talking for a long time? Is that a good podcast? I, I wonder how much. You know what? Is it no, no, no. It just shut off not very long ago because I've been I've been looking back. So. Well, I thought I thought and then when you were talking, I was like, hmm. Was it? It's been off for a while. I don't think so. Well, you know what? Hey, this is what happens when you put something together in 20 minutes. <laughs> so the the and if this is the worst that we get in a 20 minute setup, this is a pretty good this is a pretty good thing. In my opinion, I think this is pretty pretty good because we can make this happen real quick anyway. So but. what I was saying is if I, if I can get, like if I have a long stretch of time where I'm, like podcasts, if I can listen to podcasts two or three times, then I'm going to listen to the And I imagine people should probably say, like if I was like you here working, I would blast that bitch on the pole and yeah. go. And then when it was done, I just let it go. <laughs> yeah. I, def- I, I don't get bored with that. No, I, I, I listen. I, I like to bounce around a little bit too. Um, and some of the, like there's some of the, I don't, I don't know the higher level books I guess if you will that I have to pay attention to with like some of the British narration types of things it's like okay like I can like I'm good for a couple hours but then like I gotta switch to something else and then I find myself like you know coming back to it like two months later we got uh, 
just last week we got master class you know what that is oh yeah yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's so dope so one i love master class okay tells fiction stories and he's talking about the art of storytelling that is super british <laughs> British people tell the best stories, though. Like they're way, they're by, yeah, they're way smarter. Like gain ten IQ points just by speaking British. Yeah, he sounds like <laughs> I imagine Nick Offerman when I look at Nick Offerman and don't. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you just see a dude with a mustache that's kind of grizzled and he's uh, I do like me some Ron Swanson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that picture on the top of the dad's den on the Facebook page. Where oh yeah. Ottoman type chairs in the in the den or whatever with the leather. That's what I Neil Gaiman sounds like. I would think Nick Offerman looks. In the <laughs> <laughs> so nice. British real slow talker talking about stories and sleeping and like some of the stories that he's read. And then it's like, oh, dude, yeah. Uh, well, just for being British. That's true. Oh, that's cool. I'm like some British back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> my uh, sixth great grandfather decided he had enough of that shit though, and fought him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then. <laughs> so uh, my lineage is Irish, and we had a Danish guy come over and bang one of the sisters. Nice. And that's how we got the howl. There you go. Get from it originates in Denmark. Nice. So, like, yeah, I'm, I'm right, so my, I don't know as much about my Thomas side. I know that. My I had a my grandparents came from my dad's side from Slovenia around 1900. So I get the so I didn't have any there were zero slaves on that side. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I think that's where all the Neanderthal comes from. Actually, the Neanderthal comes from my mom's side, so that's not true because I've done all my 23andMe. But <laughs> I'm four <4%. laughs> percent. That's pretty funny. Uh, but so on my dad's side, yeah, my. They came over around 1900, and then their son, who was my, let's see, he would have been my great-grandfather, he went to World War One, and then, like, hung himself after the war. I mean, you know, it was a pretty shitty war, let's be real. Like, it wasn't, yeah. probably, yeah. It, who even knows what that story was? And then, and then, so then there was my grandfather, um, but he died when my dad was 10, uh, and don't know tons about him other than... Um, apparently there were some other offspring, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> didn't find that out. And then, yeah, though, like my mom's side came from, yeah, the Britain, uh, or from the British, they were like French and German, but then my sixth great grandpa, he fought in the revolutionary war and then was given 5,000 acres, um, cause he was a captain in the, in the U S army. Nice. Yeah. He was given a plantation. Uh, yeah. Like that whole prospecting effort. Where they mm hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, it was uh, in Kansas or Kentucky. I don't remember, but I, and I needed to verify that it was that. But it looks like whatever one of those slave states that they were in, that at one point in time in history, like two generations later, that there were like twenty-two slaves Whoa. that were under not my last name. <laughs> Lest he forget. <laughs> If we're talking old school rules, <laughs> I came from Slovenia 50 years after <laughs> slavery had been abolished. Well, so do I get a pass <laughs> or not? Yeah, that now was mis uh, born in 1985. I think I should get a pass. <laughs> uh, yeah. Your 
out of the statute of limitations. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I think so, Revolutionary War, and then they had the, like, the Great Land Race. So I wonder if that was kind of part of that or if it was kind of because you served in the military. What it said, what the paperwork or something, some, somewhere I read something that said that it was for his efforts in the war. So I wonder if it was standard or if he was a badass. He was a captain. But at that point in time, probably everybody's dying. I don't know. Who knows how hard it was to be a captain when everybody's getting, you know, when you're getting plowed by the British and the indigenous tribes, too. Well, our governor's a governor, and that doesn't shit. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. It's okay. It'll all sort itself out. We just want to know what the rules are so that we can make a plan. That's all. If there's rules, I can make a plan. To exploit the rules, because <laughs> that's what business owners do. <laughs> yeah. Tell me your rules so I can find the loopholes. Yeah. Well, well, isn't that what we all did in school? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just we grew up and we did it in business, too. Like, we go, what? You guys are all full of shit. We know you're full of shit, so let's go this direction and make this happen. Uh, well, it's funny. I was tell talking to Erica. Well, we were, we were jamming on it the other day. You had that big old elaborate post on Facebook and or whatever and then you got fucking roasted a little bit well sort of there were some like i don't know i feel like there were some there were not a lot like most of it was pretty positive but there were a couple people who like would have thrown punched you i think if they had given it i gave the message uh four weeks too early oh you think so yeah i already know because this week we're already having more of a conversation about opening uh, yeah, that's true. here's the thing i i needed to accomplish about five different things by posting that. And it took me about two weeks to kind of put together a loose plan on what that message needed to be. So I took 35 minutes to explain something in video format and then wrote something that was completely separate but still on topic to that video format. Because what I needed to do, this all comes back to a place of authenticity. Like, I need people to, and this is where all this podcast comes from, is that we need to establish a level of authenticity with everybody. And that is paramount right now because we don't, nobody in government, we don't trust our elected leaders. That's really the issue is nobody trusts anybody. And I don't care if anybody trusts me. I, it, I mean, other than the people that are close to me and you know, like business and stuff like that. I mean, I care in that regard, but like, I don't care. Like I'm not gonna do anything bad to people, but if they don't know me and don't trust me for that reason, I don't care. They already don't, and that's fine. They can disagree with me. What I really wanted to do was inspire a conversation because I know that this shit's going south you know, further down the road, and I can't be in charge of a conversation and do all of this at the same time. So I needed to, one of the things that I needed to do was create such a muddy message but was still targeted that nobody could beat me in ideas because they already knew that I was authentic and that all of my points were thoroughly hashed out and the only thing they had to agree to disagree with me on was not me or the content of my character but either A, my delivery method, which they didn't like. They didn't like... my The things that I got were... It was egotistical, which I addressed in the video, if they watch the video, because <laughs> I already know I am. <laughs> I have a big ego. Um... That it being self-serving, sure, I've got a business and people to take care of. I know. Um, well, but yeah. but when nobody was going to debate me in the ideas and the numbers and the dates. Okay, so not, not one. On rabbit hole on that, it, yes, yeah, so on the business part of thing, I love that you said that because, yes, it is self-serving. Because, like, I'm the same way. Like, 
yeah, I want my business to thrive, but that's because I want to genuinely help people because people have a demand and they have a need and have like, I don't, I don't anymore, but you do. You like, I have employees and it's partially my responsibility to help take care of them or at least. And one of those things is to push the algorithm in my favor. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I can't be helping the people that I'm partially responsible for taking care of if I can't. If I don't have the ability to do it because it's been strict. I'm playing the long game. Yeah. I'm playing the long game with everybody right now. Um, where I'm saying exactly what I want in the end. What I want in the end is this brand and this company to be a nationwide brand. That's what I want. And I know that that's going to take 10 to 15 more years on top of this. I know for sure. I think that I can get a few more stores in the next five. But on top of that, like, that's my goal. And in order to do that, I have to create a separation. And, and there, yeah, the separation aspect. It, it, it is. And I know that I can't make everybody happy along the way and I have to sell something different. So I had, so I don't know. There, there's a lot of things that I needed to do with that, with, with that video. Um, I, before I put it out, I thought I let it sit for about three quarters of a day. And I thought about whether or not it was a good idea. And here's the thing about leadership. It doesn't matter sometimes if it's a good idea. You have to do something. And I needed to do something. And so now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so now, well, at least, and I'm not, I'm, I won't give myself credit for any of this because people are already trying to figure out what to do. But there was no plan and there was nothing that was progressing that agenda. So in Portland specifically, where I, probably a group that you're not even in, was where I really had most of the altercation. <laughs> it was just in like a peer-to-peer -peer group. But um, yeah. And so I was debating, like it come back with like, here's somebody else's video. And I would say, great, here's my dates, here's my numbers, where's your idea? Here's this person's video, you're going to kill people. Here's my dates. Here's my timeline. This is somebody else's opinion. Debate me on an idea and just back it up. And every time, so like here, the, if my idea isn't good, tell me what's a different idea to get us back to work and back open. That's all. I just want to have. And so now that that's happening, I can leave that alone and I don't have to. I have always left politics and business separate for that. I do think it's a bad idea. And traditionally in the past, it has been a bad idea to push politics. I don't want to push politics, but I also I know that in the culture of authenticity, I got to say whatever I need to say to get shit done for the people that I need to take care of, which is everybody in this place, including, I mean, there's, I, I, between everybody that works for us, there's like 40 people that I need to feed. And, like, we're fine. I know that we have the solution, but I know that, like, creating turmoil pushes more shit in the, in the feed, so they see me more often in what I'm doing. They've already interacted. So I needed to do... There's a lot of reasons for me to do what I need to do, and it took me, they like, say, a few weeks to even like figure out what sort of muddiness I wanted to say. And it's in a back podcast, and a lot of it was also because it just wasn't a good way to deliver a, a message. But there's never a perfect way. Like I can't line up the stars and then shoot the USS Enterprise through all of them. I just can't do that. So at some point, the the me getting the message out there is more important, and planting that seed. A week ago was more important than for me waiting to do have all of the information to see what I can do when somebody else makes a choice. So, yeah. that's the way I looked at it. Just like I got to do something. I and plus I just hate sitting doing nothing. I can't stand they. I like I can't not work. I can't not work, and I have been. That's the problem. <laughs> oh man, I got.
No, I don't, but... Back there eating apple slices and <laughs> I didn't eat anything. <laughs> I fed the kids. I fed the kids. <laughs> no, I, I got I got one trip over here and I got some habaneros, a little bacon breakfast burrito. It's pretty good. That was, yeah. It's like one of, you burp it all day long. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's good. No, it'll fill you up. It keeps you going. It's good post workout. I'm digging the like I haven't had it in a while, but uh, nice breakfast. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that you get it from habaneros. Uh, that's what. That's, well, I, I usually it's the best. At home. Oh, okay. There you go. Tortilla. They're nothing like. It's pretty good. Gigantic, like, you gotta like put some French fries in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's good. You you won't be sorry. So tell me what you're doing right now that like work-wise and everything and what you do i guess you here's a commercial for you yeah right um so i help businesses automate the processes and systems that they don't want to have to do manually. so when i say that usually people i'm, I'm trying to sell or engaging in a service for them, like, well what do you mean so this is one of the there are two examples and by no means am i restricted to these two types of businesses so uh you've been to the doctor right I have. Okay, so have you ever been to a doctor's office where you have to like back and park in like some back parking lot and you're not sure which door to go into or where? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sure. So down on like Liberty and um, like commercial area, it's got a lot of doctor's offices. And so yeah. uh, you, then you schedule your appointment and you're not sure where to go, what the lady at the desk looks like, where you can park without getting in trouble. You don't know what the doctor looks like, what he's going to say, if he's weird looking, what his personality is. And so, uh, when I was at Sixth Division, when I worked with a doctor, I told him, I was like, okay, so here's what you need to do. When somebody schedules an appointment, you need to send them, first off, you need to send them a text message because the open rate on text messages is way higher than emails. Yeah. As your appointment is confirmed, we'll send you a reminder. And then you send them a reminder like the day before. Some offices do that, but it's not real popular yet. I don't know why, because it's so cheap to do. Then what you need to do is send them a, and in the text message, say, hey, look for an email. We're going to send you. And then in that email, you say, you, the doctor, send them a picture of you. And if you wanted to get real authentic or if you have the personality to do it, you need to do like a selfie on a phone and introduce them to the lady that they're going to talk to when they sign up or like when they walk in the door. So they know what you look like. They know what your office lady looks like. And they know what the office looks like. Yeah. And that's going to reduce the anxiety. Sure. So they're not going to be like... Oh my God, he's going to tell me I have cancer. Like, no, it's just a checkup. But people's brains still go there. And so you're easing that anxiety. Then you need to give them a map of how to get to your office. And if you were going to, if you're tech savvy enough, or shit, just hire your 10 year old kid because he can do it, you put like a little red square on the map where then you send them an email that shows them where they can park. And then, in addition to that, instead of having somebody fill out a bunch of stupid ass paperwork when they walk in the door, have them fill it out before. And then when they walk in, they can actually get into their appointment. The doctor can see more patients in a day. They're not anxious and they're not nervous and they don't know, like, you're reducing their anxiety. And so I was working with this doctor at the time and his show-up rate for his appointments was, like, it increased, like, 16 or 17%. Nice. After he put that stuff in position. Yeah. And then That's amazing. the percentage of people who showed back up a second time was like 32% or 34% something. The return, yeah. And so then and then the other so you could automate that process and it's not hard to do. 
And then another example that I tell people is like, you have a CPA, right? You do? Yep. And when you first met with him, he probably was like, okay, what money do you make? How much do you make? Where are your savings at? Do you have any investments? What are your liabilities? You know, that thing, like those typical questions. And I told like, if you're a CPA or you're a person who has that conversation every single time, every single person and every single client, how powerful could your conversations be if that stuff was already taken when they walked in the door? Yeah, absolutely. So automate that process. And then if you're really good, what you do is you have somebody on the front end of that who is just naturally good at listening. So when I was owning my gym, we'd have people call up and they're like, yeah, I want to come in for a consultation. And this is before I started doing this thing. But it was like, um, you know, oh yeah, Johnny, my name is Johnny, I want to work out here. I used to work at a sawmill um, and after I left college for baseball. and. Uh, so I work at a sawmill now, and I'm really active. I've got two dogs, and I like to like a lot of land, so we go walking a lot. My dogs are out running now, and you know they just tell this story and they talk about why. And if you're if you are not customer centric, you can lose all of that. But then what you do is you take that, and if you're prepared to take that information and say you work for me, or say say I'm I'm one of your DJs or something like that, or or actually let's flip it. So you talk to somebody, and they're like, yeah, my mom. Um, she grew up on a farm, and it's really important to her that we get married in a farmhouse type view, and I like this dress. You know, they're just in conversation, they're going to tell you all this stuff, right? So if I'm the DJ, and I'm going to have this conversation with you, you could give me all of that information, and then I go to Karen, and it's like, hey, Karen, so what do you think about this music because it really vibes with the country feel? Then Karen's like, holy shit, how did you know? And you don't have to say, well, you know, Zach told me. You could just be like, I just, you know, they think you're awesome, but they don't know any different. And so yeah. they automate a lot of that stuff from front to back. And so I help businesses automate a lot of that stuff. Yeah, how, how has the slowdown kind of affected that on your end? I've gotten fucking busy. Nice. Because, uh, everybody's trying to go to digital. And yeah. So part of the automation game is like webinars and like one gal I work with, she does SAT prep. Okay. Or, and so what, like kids don't have school, right? Not and right so, now. <laughs> SAT prep and homeschooling. So how busy do you think she got? She got crazy busy because now she's got all these parents that want homeschooling and SAT prep materials. So now what she's employed me to do is help her put on like virtual conferences where she can teach parents how to. So she's got this thing. I'm going to do a virtual conference on how to prep your student for the SAT. Then on the back end of that she says I, you just learned an hour worth of shit from me buy this $150 e-course and you'll have 15 hours of stuff for $150 and then parents are just like here take my money nice okay? yeah so then they don't have to put in the investment they can buy the course and for lack of a better term don't like screw me they can set their kid down in front of a computer for 15 hours and then they learn how to take the SAT and how to homeschool at the same time and so like that's just one of a handful of businesses who are like, hey. Just needs to make it happen. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and the thing is, like, they kind of know how to do it. And all this stuff is are things that they could kind of do. Like, they could muddle their way through it. But if you could pay somebody, you know, 700 to 1500 bucks and have it done like that in a matter of days, that's such a good. And oh, yeah. You make, like, the last, the, that lady I was just talking about, she did um, she did six virtual conferences and made, like, 48000 or something. Like wow. 
That's awesome. That's a big return on investment. Hell yeah. <laughs> right now, that's so huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so huge. Yeah. So anyway, the, the slowdown for me is like huge. I've gotten so many. So it makes sense. It's a good business to get into. Yeah. I mean, I was, I like, uh, one of my customers, I told you before we got on, just sent me uh, a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue as an appreciation. She's like, hey, you know. Now you're going to bring it in here as an appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> And then the other thing I do is I help businesses clarify their message. And so, uh, like, I haven't seen your website in a while, but... It's changing. It's changing immensely right now. And I'm it, sure, yeah. Yeah, and even just the last couple of weeks, like, I'm sure the web people are angry with me right now for not giving them all the information that they need. Yeah. So, I, yeah. <laughs> one of the things I do is, um, like, if you go to a website and you look at it for five seconds and then you close the website and you just go to like some random person. I do it to Eric all the time. Uh, she's used to it now. But you look at it and then you say, okay, what did that website, what do they sell? How does it change your life? And then how can they buy it? Nine times out of 10 websites fail. Like, and you, like the business owner, they don't even know because they're so close to the business that on a scale of one to 10, 10 they even know it through and through and one, they, they don't know their business. Like, they don't. They know nothing about their business. Businesses, business owners are a ten or on eleven. Yeah. Often. Customers, and and what happens is the business owners communicate at an eight or a nine, but customers buy at like a two, and they call it's called the curse of knowledge. And what you need to do is can bring down that communication down to two, so that the customer can relate to it because they don't know your insider language. Like the so, kiss method. Yes. Keep it simple for stupid. So, uh, like you get, like you get business owners who are like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to talk down to my customers. I think I think they're stupid. It's like no, you're just too smart for your own good. Yeah. Like, you you got to keep it simple. And so I help businesses uh, kind of re-message and rebrand themselves, rebrand their messaging, not the company. And so that's that's been picked up because people want to maximize on the leads and prospects that they get. Yeah, yeah, for sure they do. Um, well, you know what? We've been at this, I think, for a little over an hour. So I'm sure she is. I've seen her look over here a couple of times, try to figure out when we're going to shut up. She, she's, she's zoning out right now. She knows she doesn't have any idea we're talking about her. <laughs> well, I think this was another good one. So uh, with that, goodbye. Peace.